You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. Good morning, First Universalist Church. It is so good to be together this morning. How many of you all felt that warm sun as you were coming in? It's been a long time. Folks, my name is Arif Mamdani. I am one of your ministers here at First Universalist Church, and it is so good to be leading worship with you all this morning. Here with Franco and Libby Turner bringing her music to us, Reverend Karen, Liz Short, Rosanna, Charlie, with all of you. To folks who celebrated on Friday, I want to wish a belated happy holy. We hope that your day was full of colors and smiles and laughter. And this morning, we wish a Nowruz Mubarak to all our friends who are celebrating, and for those with roots in and connection to Islam. We know that you are in the midst of preparations for Ramadan. We wish you well on those preparations and look forward to celebrating with you. If you are not already, I encourage you to receive our newsletter. You can sign up for that by going on our website. I encourage you to be a part of the art that is all around us here in this church. In particular, I invite you after the service to go down to the social hall. There will be coffee, and I hear that graham crackers and apple juice has made a return. Some people are very excited about that. Um, while you're down there, check out the art exhibit that's been up for a little while now. Um, you also may have noticed the turn towards spring that is happening outside and is happening on our chancel trees behind me. Huge thank you to the visual arts team for bringing beauty into the space, into the sanctuary. Also, you may notice that there is uh, a symmetry between, symmetry, no pun intended, there is a symmetry, I'll keep going with it, between the ribbons that are up on the tree there and ribbons that you may have received in the mail earlier this week. So these ribbons are part of a collaborative art project. We are inviting you to write on these ribbons uh, your hopes, your aspirations, your vision for who we could be together as a church community and to bring that ribbon here to the congregation. Um, you can put your ribbon in uh, that basket, one of those baskets that is um, to my right. There's a similar basket down in the social hall against the north wall, if my directions are correct. And what you will see there is a project that the visual arts team has already started, a weaving together of our hopes and aspirations into a fabric of possibility, part of a tangible expression of our commitment to this community that is part of the annual giving campaign that we are in the midst of right now. So let's take a moment to let go of the words, to settle ourselves in, to breathe together. And as we are breathing together, as we breathe in and out this breath that makes us one, let's acknowledge the land that we're on. These words come from our environmental justice team. 
We collectively acknowledge that Minnesota is located on the traditional, ancestral, and contemporary lands of indigenous peoples. As people residing on this land that was cared for and called home by the Anishinaabe, Dakota, or Northern Cheyenne peoples and other native peoples from time immemorial, we offer this land acknowledgement, affirm tribal sovereignty, and hold ourselves and affiliations accountable to American Indian peoples and nations. Also, we acknowledge and honor the black, Asian, and immigrant peoples who built the wealth and infrastructure of this land, much of it as racialized slaves, this traumatic legacy of which exists today in this country where slavery still flourishes legally as mass incarceration. We commit to building a just and equitable world together with and for all people, a planet more secure, harmonious, safe, and life-giving for all creation. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth Short, and I serve this community on its annual giving committee. And I am so blessed to be here today in person with so many of you. Thank you for being here. I laughed last Sunday when Reverend Arif talked about crying at church. I recognized myself. I've done it. I've cried at church. In fact, I cried the very first time I ever came to this church within the first five minutes of being at this church. No, within the first 90 seconds. That service in 2002 began with the Reverend Frank Rivas reading First Universalist's welcoming statement at the time, which I learned was read every Sunday, first thing, without fail. This man, dressed in a black robe with a long stole, clearly a person of authority, opened his mouth and welcomed us all. And I loosely quote, no matter your race, cultural or religious background, gender identification, sexual orientation, or economic circumstance. Such simple words. My jaw dropped, I took a big breath, and tears started to pour down my face. At a time when religion was, and still too often is, being co-opted by conservatives for political purchase, this welcome was earth-shattering. There they were, my values, summed up in one minute from the pulpit of this church. I had no idea, no idea at all how much I needed to hear that. This religion acts as I feel, that there is no one who is damned, no one who doesn't belong, no one outside the circle, that we are all enough, that we are all worthy, that here all belong. And that is why I come to church, this church, and have done so for 20 years. I need to hear these values spoken out loud, not assumed, nor hidden, nor taken for granted. 
I want to be in a community that recommits to these values on a weekly basis. I want to take these out in the world and help make it a better place. And I need to come here to rest, to recharge, and to move forward in hope. And more than anything, I want to pass on these values and this liberal religious tradition to the next generation. That is why I come to First Universalist Church. That is why I give to First Universalist Church. I hope you will join me in giving too. Come, let us worship. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. And now, friends, it is time for our story. So give us just a moment to get set up here. If there are young ones in the sanctuary who would like to help to be our little acorn family, you are most welcome to come on up here and grab an acorn uh, hat and uh, just give us a moment to get set up. A couple of kids in acorn hats are talking with each other. Then they call out for their parents and family to come join them in the living room where they have set chairs in a circle around a table with a small chalice. The parents are looking confused and the kids ask them to sit down. We're calling a family meeting. And we're doing, like, it, we're doing this like we learned at church. The parents are incredulous, but go along with it, giving each other looks. Please take a seat and we'll help you get settled and grounded. I'm going to lead us in taking three deep breaths, and then we'll light our chalice. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You know that love is the spirit of this home, and that we have all committed to being truthful and honest with each other. and that we have a commitment to get through changes and challenges together. Right? It's come to our attention that you haven't been completely honest with us. The kids remind their parents that they were there when the tippy-hatted acorn arrived and proclaimed that we are that pointing up to the towering oak tree above them, and their parents told them it wasn't so. The next week, they saw the news cast by Nuttley Acorn, and they heard the acorns that had gathered together to share the truth, that everyone's caps pops off, that everyone gets cracks and sprouts full of hopes and dreams, and that the grown-ups have been hiding this by gluing their caps on, and getting their cracks sealed and trimming off their sprouts. And they want to know why their parents have been lying to them. The parents are stunned 
stumble and talk about how they were trying to protect the kids from this awkward truth. They felt like they were too young to know, surely they're not growing up that fast and don't need to know about the hard realities of life that their shell will crack and their top will pop off. But the kids say this is exactly the kind of stuff they need to know. They need to be able to trust their family, that they can do hard things together, that the most harmful thing is lying and lack of trust. The parents agree and ask how the kids are feeling about the news, that these things are true, that their shells will crack and their tops will pop off and sprouts will appear. In fact, one parent lifts their cap and shows the sprouts growing underneath. The kid looks and reads out the words, love, hope, music, and asks why the parent would ever want to cut those off. You've been trying to protect us from beauty? From hopes and dreams? From the truth that everyone knows but no one talks about? We need some new rules in this family. Well, for starters, telling the truth. Make a safe place here where we can show who we really are. Appreciate and celebrate each other's differences. Let our dreams and sprouts grow. And they all wonder together, if we can do this here, could we do it out in our community? Can we change the way things have been for generations? Change the lying, the hiding, the secrets? and share our differences, share our hopes and dreams, and find out together what happens when we let ourselves shine and grow in these ways. Because maybe if we do, that stranger's words aren't so unbelievable after all. Maybe, just maybe, if we do things differently, we'll find out we really are. Okay, kids, I just want to say one thing, though, honey. We have 23 kids. Can we stop here?
You know, at this point in the worship, we're asked to be quiet, reflective, thoughtful, and prayerful. Some of us are able to do that without any problem. But some of us get restless, fidgety, and perhaps excited because they see someone across the sanctuary they haven't seen in a long time. They're wondering how they're gonna make a connection with them before they leave the building and out the door. You may see someone who is interesting. In fact, they thought you were interesting and you've never met, but you're trying to meet each other here in the sanctuary. Yes, that happens in church too. You just saw someone in the parking lot that you know has lost their pet or their partner or their daughter hasn't spoken to them for a year. And you have this hugging impulse that just won't stop. You hear someone's voice and you know that's the voice that helped you get through a real tough time to hear that voice again. So instead of looking forward today at us up here on the chancel, we're going to look around and do what we've been doing for the last two years so well, looking and listening, listening to voices, trying to figure out who is that under that mask, looking at eyes that we think we know as we ponder their faces below. I want us to get up for a minute take a movement around the sanctuary, move with the music, move with my words, and acknowledge someone. That's right, get up and take a walk around. Go and say hello to someone with your eyes. Whatever feels comfortable to you, know that you've been missing one another. Hold each other in kindness. Let no one be alone. Look at one another. Enjoy one another. Enjoy your voices. Say hello with your eyes. Let no one be alone. There's somebody, find each other. There you are, say hello with your eyes. Don't linger with one person too long. There's many more to meet. Many more to meet. And now as you run to back, wander back, wander back, wander back. This little cluster over here is so excited. That little cluster of five, wander back. Here we go. 
and acknowledge that the person you smiled at may be facing a crisis, the person that you shook hands with may be grandparents for the first time, the person you waved to may be the first wave they've had today, and yeah, humanity made a difference in their day. Know that someone here has gone to treatment, someone here just retired and is trying to figure out how to reorganize their life, as we walked and acknowledged one another, we're doing the gift of church, the work of church, the work of community, the work of humanity. Know that somebody here lost a connection, is trying to make a new one. So let us grow, friends, in the depths of our relationships at this church. Let us pray, let us sing, let us shout, and let us scream and fidget if we have to. This is a physical reminder that we're community a people of people fueled with hope for a better future. We need it today, don't we? More than ever, more than ever, we need it right now. We are here, yes, we suffer. We are here, but we're worth it. We cry, we moan, we lament, we get angry, we get frustrated, but we get up and try again one more day because that's all we can do as humans. Blessed be and amen. I feel so old school getting into this pulpit with my big stack of papers. <laughs> I feel like I should be using an iPad like Liz was. Maybe someday. We are that. We are that. All month, our central story has been one that suggests that our lives are perhaps not what they seem. That rather than polish and shine our outsides, that we are made for something more. And that the realizing of that more is a spiritual proposition of releasing all that we are in the service of what we could be together. We are that. That great big oak tree can you see it? What you may not know is that we did not know, we, your ministers and staff of this church, did not know that this story would capture our collective hearts in the way that it has, that it would speak to this deeper yearning would point us toward a shared aspiration and maybe even a pathway through the portal of our current pandemics. We are that. I don't normally do this, which is to say that I haven't done this before, before today. I did this this morning at 9 o'clock. But my intuition this morning tells me 
to invite you into a particular listening space this morning. For those of you familiar with Unitarian Universalism and our sources, I'm pointing here toward our first source of religious knowledge, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder, which calls us to an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Now, you all know me, perhaps, to be a minister who often speaks of spiritual practice. I am a firm believer in the transformative power of sitting on a meditation cushion or listening for the voice of that which is greater than we are, listening for that voice with the spiritual director or any of the many forms of practice that point us toward a form of awareness which teachers across traditions have called non-dual awareness. Non-dual awareness is the awareness that's available not through our thinky brains, our thinky minds, which are extraordinarily good at this or that black or white binary discrimination, but rather through the awareness of our hearts and more so through our bodies. Now, you may not be practiced in listening this way. That's totally okay. The good news is that touching spacious awareness for a moment is pretty easy. It's hanging out there that takes some work, but I am convinced that it is worth reaching for and I believe that it will help us all in this endeavor that is in front of us. So here is a little invitation into non-dual awareness. Whether you know that you know how to do this or not, don't worry. You've got this. It's in your shell. Really, it's in your shell. So I invite you to get comfortable. I love that every time we invite our bodies to get a little bit more comfortable, we all know what that is. Right? We all know what that is. Like, oh, a little more comfortable. Let your body be held. It's all right. I know it's church, but you can be comfortable in church. I promise. There are cushions. Like, it's all good. So I invite you to let your body be held by the pew. Let your gaze be soft. You don't have to look at anything. And just rest here a moment without doing anything. Like really without doing anything. No effort. Which also means not forcing anything to happen. As your thoughts or your attention is drawn to specific sensations in the body, you can note them and then just let them go. You might find that your mind or your heart is busy, might feel turbulent, that there's lots going on and that doing nothing is really hard, and that's okay. 
our thinky binary brains are really used to creating and recreating an egocentric me versus the world view where it continually notices things so that it can so that it can convince itself of its own separation if that's what's happening just notice that the swirl is happening and notice that it is just one part of awareness Notice that there is a bigger story happening and that if you do nothing, if you don't grab hold of that me, mine, I swirl, you can get a little space. Maybe you find a little space when you notice the back of your head. Notice that you can become aware of the space around you. Notice that that swirl does not fill all of the space of awareness, that there is a bigger story happening right now, that there is a bigger togetherness that is happening right now. I'm inviting you to hang out here, to practice being in this space of non-duality because it really is true that we are that, acorn and oak tree at once, even now. Who we are now and the people that we long to be already, right now, at the same time. Many of us are struggling right now, struggling in our lives, struggling in our relationships, struggling with addiction, with vocation, with our place in a changing world. Having sat with many of you this year, what I know in my bones is that we, you, already have what you're looking for. You have more answers than you think. The oak tree is already sprouted and growing inside you. Non-dual awareness helps us to hold this yes and of our lives, of this existence knowing that we are that, even when we might feel very much not that. It is, in other words, a state of faith in which we can reach for our becoming, individually and together. So rest here as you can. Return as you're able. At worst, you spend 10 minutes with somewhere to put your mind when you get tired of my words. There are worse ways to spend a Sunday morning. We are that. Friends, you have heard me and others preach on our third principle, which points us towards spiritual growth in our congregations. Not just on a meditation cushion in silent retreat, not just on contemplative walks in the woods or by the lakes, but also in our congregations, with and amongst each other. So our practice gets us familiar with these states of faith, but we realize the fruits of that practice here in our congregations, with each other. As the poet writes, we are each other's harvest, we are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond.
We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. Church, I think that we are, that you are reaching for something wholly different than what has come before. Arundhati Roy put it well when she said that pandemics are portals. When she enjoined us to move through lightly, letting go of our dead ideas and polluted smoky skies. Adrian Marie Brown writes of this place, saying, I can see it. In the short term, we generate small pockets of movement so irresistibly accountable that people who don't even know what a movement is come running towards us, expecting that they will be welcomed, flawed and whole, by a community committed to and practicing a healing and transformative iteration of justice. And she goes on to describe this place as a vast sanctuary where our experiences as humans who have experienced and caused harm are met with centered, grounded invitations to grow. We are that church, already and becoming. Having listened to you, having listened to your hopes, your dreams, your struggles, your fears, that's what I hear you reaching for, that vast sanctuary where our experiences as humans who have experienced and caused harm are met with centered, grounded invitations to grow. And so as we wonder about what and who and how we might be in this ever bigger togetherness that we both are and that we are creating, I want to invite us to turn our hearts toward covenant. Covenant is a weird word. First off, it's hard to spell and autocorrect keeps wanting to turn it into something else. But more so, if you dig into the definition, if you make your way past the ideas that it's connected to legal matters and contractual things, you arrive at a theological understanding that says covenant is an agreement that draws people into relationship. To riff on Adrian Marie Brown some more, I want to propose that covenant is a spell that we cast that draws us into relationship and that it is a particular kind of relationship one of mutuality, solidarity, accountability, and growth. It's an agreement that draws people into relationship, and once in relationship, it holds us there, it guides us, and points us toward an aspiration of who and how we want to be together. It isn't a promise, because a promise is one-sided. It isn't a set of rules, that's a code of conduct. Covenant is a spell that we cast together that draws us into relationship, that holds us there and points us onward toward our shared future. And dear ones, lest you get hung up on the idea that we are way, way out there, that your minister is talking about casting spells, and my goodness, we're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Let me remind you that at the level of our minds and bodies, language creates our reality. And in particular, language creates our shared reality. We believe together. 
We make it consensual by making it words, and we make it durable by telling and repeating the story about it. We cast spells all the time. So what spells do we cast? What holds us here where we are and points us toward our future? Well, dear ones, I have some homework for you. This here is the oak tree that we have gathered beneath. Around you are the acorns that you have chosen to plant yourselves next to. Shells cracking, some sprouts still hidden, other sprouts maybe peeking out here and there. You are already drawn into relationship, which is to say that at least implicitly a covenant already exists among us. Somewhere, spells are already being cast to draw you into relationship. And so here's your homework. As you go out into the world, I invite you to pay attention to the values and the commitments and the dreams that form and shape your actions. As you go out into the world, notice where your heart is called. Notice where your body softens, where you feel most yourself and most free. Imagine bringing that back here. What commitments would you need made to you so that you know that all of you is safely held in this community? Imagine bringing that back into this bigger togetherness that means more space for the folks around you to do the same. What commitments might you need to make so that this community knows that it is safe with you? Imagine bringing all of that back so that together, we can find the words that become our bond, drawing us into relationship, into a bigger togetherness, pointing us toward the people we need to become to make the world as it could be. May it be so, and amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.